Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. When you're first getting started, don't worry too much about your percent of share in a deal. You're working on getting experience and you're working on getting the insights and understanding how syndications really work and all of the different ways that deals can be structured. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Slocum Reed and I'm here with Kelly Iannone. Kelly is joining us from Orlando, Florida. She's a principal at Waypoint Commercial Investment Partners. And in her portfolio, combining her GP, LP, and personal portfolio positions, she has a total of over 400 units for over $45 million in assets under management. Kelly, can you start us off with a little bit more about your background and what you're currently focused on? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So my background, I started investing in real estate back in 2017, really as a way to move forward on the path to achieving financial independence and becoming work optional. I'm a longtime corporate employee with an 18-year corporate career. So I found real estate really on that path to figuring out how do I achieve financial independence for my family. As you mentioned, my portfolio consists not only of large apartment syndications that we talk about so much on the show, but also personal holdings. 
as I grew on my journey, I grew from single family to small commercial. And then of course, in these large apartment syndications that I'm doing now. Awesome. So I have a sort of similar story. Kelly, I'm an apartment owner operator in Cincinnati, Ohio, more focused on the personal portfolio. And I have some joint ventures. I'm not a limited partner in anything yet. I self-manage. I have my own management company, but financial independence and retiring early fire is our acronym. It's a large community. That's the reason that I got into real estate in the first place. I was really just looking for a side hustle. I didn't have a large employee W2 income that I needed to replace. I was a full-time professional youth minister and I was just looking to do something on the side and then real estate became my hustle. Let's talk about that progression. So what is it that attracted you to real estate in the first place, Kelly? And did you start with single family just because it was the most mentally and emotionally accessible? And why did you make the transitions you made when you did to get into larger deals? So like I said, on that path of financial independence, like so many people, I read that very popular purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, read it, sat it down came back to it a couple years later. I didn't read it and go, oh my gosh, I need to do this and I need to do it now. I was well into my corporate career, at least 10 years into my corporate career when I kind of hit this epiphany, read the book. And then another couple of years later, started taking action from a real estate perspective. But all that time I had already been investing through my 401k and I was fortunate enough that I was raised in a family that we talked about finances in our home. My parents invested in their 401ks and pensions. So I had that foundational financial literacy information. But when I started to think about how do we amplify it to secure our ability to be work optional, that's where real estate really came into play. And our first big action was when we bought a new home back in 2017. And actually, let me back up. My first property I ever bought was a primary residence back in 2004, prior to the economic and the housing crisis. I bought it 100% financing, interest only, 80-20 loans. Everything said that I should have lost that house in the financial crisis. It was underwater for many years, adjustable rate mortgages. But like so many of us in the space, I'm a hustler and I'm going to make it work and do whatever I can. That house became my first rental property and that we still own to this day. When we moved out of that primary residence and moved into a new home, very specifically, we weren't accidental landlords. We wanted to have rental properties. And that property was our first rental property back in 2017. Did you buy it with that expectation that it would be a rental? No, I did not buy it with that expectation. I bought it with the expectation that I would move in five years, make a ton of money and move on. Gotcha. Kelly, I want to dive into a couple of other things, but I want to take a quick aside for our listeners. I just had a realization about what it is that attracted me to Rich Dad, Poor Dad so much when I read it. And I think it's the reason why so many entrepreneurs, hustlers, people like you who figure it out, I think you just used the phrase, figure it out. You definitely said hustle. Yeah. I think the biggest reason that we're attracted to Rich Dad, Poor Dad among all of the authors and quote unquote gurus out there is that he's really good. And everyone in his company is really good at giving you the why and the what without the how. He doesn't say Rich Dad, Poor Dad is not a real estate investing book. It's a book that makes people realize the power of real estate investing. They do a very good job of explaining why investing in yourself, investing in assets, 
instead of liabilities, to use their language. They explain why it's good. They explain what happens as a result, but they don't tell you how to do it. And that lights a fire eventually under you and definitely under me and under so many people, because as soon as we get a hold of the why and the what, we have to figure out the how and do it for ourselves. There are so many books out there that are much more prescriptive that tell you exactly what to do and how to do it. And I never am as interested in those as I am in the ones that dangle a carrot or show me what is possible without telling me exactly how to get it. And I have to figure that out for myself. I'm sure that whatever that is courses through the entrepreneurial veins of a lot of us, for sure. Yeah. In those entrepreneurial veins, that's such a good point. I didn't think I ever had those. I never wanted to own my own business growing up. I grew up in a family. My parents were factory workers. I went to college. I was supposed to get a good corporate job, get a pension. That was my path. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur and own an entire company and take all the risk and obviously the reward that goes along with that. But Rich Dad Poor Dad, to your point, it explains the why, which really changes the mindset then. So then going on that journey of figuring out the how, we did that once we moved out of that home and now we had a rental home, which we did self-manage the first few years because we wanted to learn what that was like. And fortunately, we had great tenants. We did a great job screening. It's now under property management. but that started our journey of self-education, joining local meetups, figuring out what are all the niches in real estate that we weren't aware of, and went down this path of, is single family right for us? Is small multifamily right for us? Is fix and flips or short-term rentals right for us? And we dabbled in a few of those different places. We dabbled in fix and flips. We did one of those. We really looked at short-term rentals and made some offers on short-term rentals. We live in Orlando. It's a great tourist destination. But where we landed was commercial multifamily because of the longevity of that asset class, the cash flows, obviously the depreciation you can get from it, but the stability of it and the returns without adding another job as a passive investor. You said you decided on commercial multifamily. And I was standing here thinking she's going to say scale. Scale is the reason. Scale is the reason everyone does it. Everybody wants to scale. And that's not actually what you said. The longevity of the asset class is really interesting. And have an interesting perspective, especially on short-term rentals, being that you're coming from one of the entertainment capitals of the world, at least the entertainment for small children capital of the world in Orlando, Florida. In Cincinnati, Ohio, I've done my dabbling too flipping houses. I'm flipping a house right now that I shouldn't be flipping. I did. (laughs) I might still technically be an Airbnb super host if my status hasn't expired because I gave that up at the end of 2021. I get where you're coming from here. Kelly, I also know a lot of people who feel the things that you were feeling living and working in corporate America. Do you still have W-2 employment? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And part of my husband and I's journey is that we live on one income. We live in an entertainment destination. When COVID hits, what happens? I'll give you the quick synopsis. He was furloughed for 14 months during COVID. Didn't impact us financially because we live on one income. I continue to work because we put so much money into real estate every year. We continue to feed the real estate assets and that investment piece to build the passive income. Kelly, it's great that you have that fiscal discipline and fiscal discipline is definitely something you hear a lot about in the FIRE community. What advice do you have for people who find themselves in a similar situation where they may be a dual income couple or single or single parent and 
They want to diversify their income, invest, find other ways to make money outside of W-2 employment for large companies where they may not move the needle all that much. What advice do you have for people who find themselves in that position and are considering real estate investing? Consume the content. There is so much content out there on YouTube, in podcasts, going to conferences that when you start consuming this content and engaging in it, your body, your emotions will tell you where your passions are and what you're interested in. And then go down that rabbit hole. And that will tell you what you need to be focused on in order to optimize your time in order to create more income through a side hustle or what asset class you're interested in investing in. Maybe you're not interested in real estate at all, except for you know that real estate's a great asset class. So you want to look for the more passive investments where you can still get all the benefits, but not have to deal with any of the day-to-day. Really engage in the content and seek out individuals that you can network with and learn from and see what sparks joy or interest in you. Kelly, that makes a lot of sense. Investing in yourself, that's always the best first investment that anyone can make. You talked about consuming knowledge. Let's fill in here with some of your answers. Having done that yourself, having educated yourself, resulting in real estate investing, resulting eventually in commercial real estate investing and becoming involved in general partnerships in commercial multifamily syndications. What is it that led you down that path when you looked at the options available to you. A different way to ask that question, Kelly, is what is it that other people could be feeling or thinking about themselves that you think should lead them to invest in commercial multifamily the way that you have? So I think one of the big things is that I wanted something that I had more control over. I didn't have as much control over my investing in the stock market as I wanted to have In real estate, I had the opportunity to have as much control or as little control as I wanted, either through owning an individual property all on my own or investing passively in syndications as I've done in the past or a nice blend in between where I am active in syndications, but also have the opportunity to invest passively in syndications in order to grow the real estate portfolio. So I think as an individual who's assessing themselves and what their interests are, If they are looking for more ways to optimize what money they might have to invest, or if they don't have money and they have time and they're able to network with operators and exchange time for equity in a particular deal, those are great ways to be able to really dive in in the real estate space and the commercial real estate space and start working on some of these larger deals to grow your personal wealth And also your impact. We have great impact when we acquire properties that we can go in and renovate. We are providing a nicer, safer, clean place for our residents to live. And then the third piece to that is for me personally, because I'm so passionate about the fire community, is I get to share with others what the options are on the fire path and provide opportunities for them to invest alongside me in deals that I'm investing in so that they can continue to grow their passive income and wealth as well. Kelly, within your general partnerships, what do your responsibilities tend to be? My responsibilities tend to be more on the investor relations side. So working on our monthly updates, working with potential new investors, educating on how syndications work, how they make money in the deals, what our business plans look like, putting together investor presentations. And then I also do sit on the asset management side. So I oversee and help 
facilitate conversation or feedback on assets that we currently own in our weekly meetings with property management or construction teams. And one of the great things about this space is that, as we talked earlier, I have a full-time job and doing commercial multifamily real estate can be a full-time job as well. I work with a fantastic team. There's five of us on our team. So three of the five are full-time in real estate. So it gives a great opportunity where I can continue to have my full-time job, bring in additional active income to feed into these syndications, support the syndications, while I also have team members who are on the ground and are spending more full-time on each of the projects that we own. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Everyone is looking for a recession-resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund, by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with one $1 billion in self-storage assets. After completing three funds and selling 38 properties with $0 of investor principal loss, they have an average project level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to their latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R, R-E-L-I-A-N-T dot com. Thank you for helping me make a segue here, Kelly. I want to dive into your portfolio. I'll come back to this with your asset management and your general partnerships. Let's build up to that. You started with intentionally keeping a home that you were moving out of for the sake of renting it out. And then you tried some things, you scaled into residential multifamily and then into commercial multifamily. And now you're doing commercial multifamily syndications. I would add just one correction. I never technically did residential multifamily. We went from a one unit to a six unit and did a full complete gut renovation on the entire thing and then jumped into 136 units. Single family to six unit to 136 unit. Correct. Gotcha. Well, that makes my next question a little more interesting. I'm wondering what are the through lines for you among all of those properties? What are the similarities? What are the strategies, business plans, aspects of each of the deals that you've done that attracted you to doing those deals in the first place? I think in general, we get really worried when we start to think big. The end of the day, what we are doing in real estate is pretty basic conceptually. Whether it's a single family home, a fix and flip property, or a large commercial multifamily, there's a lot of nuances in there. But the basics of what we are doing is we're acquiring a property, we're underwriting it to make sure it cash flows, or that we can renovate it, push rents to make sure it cash flows. And then we either enjoy the cash flows or we sell at some point and enjoy the returns. That fundamentally is the basics of what we are doing. How we get from a one unit to six unit is the intentionality of knowing we needed more doors under the roof so that we have better efficiencies in that cash flow. I truly believe if it wasn't for that six unit, I never would have got to this 136 unit. It gave me the confidence to be able to know that I could take on something bigger than I ever thought I would have been able to. 10 years ago, I never would have thought I owned a six unit apartment building that we 
totally renovated everything. But having been able to do that and completely reposition, refinance out of it, take some capital back out to reinvest in our next deals, which turned out to be syndications on the general partner side, that then enabled me to network and have some experience to talk with partners who were active in the real estate syndication space and that were continuing to grow their business and had a need for somebody with more of my background to come in and play a very specific role as well as bring additional capital to deals. And that's kind of how I was able to scale from one to six to 136 units in each subsequent deal. Let's talk a little more about the deals that you're doing now. Let me draw a baseline. We have a fairly sophisticated audience for this podcast that is very heavily leaning towards apartment syndication, more LP side than GP side. Naturally, there are more LPs than GPs. So the standard apartment syndication has a preferred return, a targeted IRR, a three to seven year hold period. The deals that you guys are doing, do they fall in line with those norms? Yes, they absolutely do. So our team primarily focuses on Georgia, Florida, and Texas. We look for value add assets in B class areas, not D, B as a boy class areas. We like to find those C class areas in those B class assets. And one of the reasons why we're focused on that asset class area is because when we think about potential recessions, you've got the A class folks that buy down. And you just kind of continue to move there, but you keep a strong base of residents there in the B class. And then from a returns perspective, yeah, we've been underwriting for a three to five year target hold period, looking at that 17 to 20% IRR. And I love to see a 2X multiple. Preferred return seven or 8%. Obviously with increased debt terms, we're having to cherry pick deals a little bit better and of course being conservative on the back end, but we're still seeing great deals out there and are able to target and get those returns in our underwriting. Kelly, I'm sensing a through line here in the way that you talk about your investing, the way that you talk about what your goals were when you got started and what your goals are now. And I'll draw this comparison in a moment, but got renovating a six unit and living on one income. I'm seeing some through lines in both of those things, as well as getting into value add apartment syndication with 136 unit. There's a through line of investment stability there that your first rental was a property that you already knew very well because you had lived in it for several Mm -hmm. years. So there's stability there. Staying with single family rentals. Shout out to single family rentals. This is a commercial real estate investing podcast and everybody likes to talk about how there's more cash flow in apartments, but there's more cash flow in single family rentals. You have much more control over the value of your asset when your asset is single family, but I digress. I will argue all day that a six unit apartment building that you have to gut renovate to get up to market is a stable investment if you buy it right. I have a personal example of a six unit here. I bought one in a joint venture that needed something similar. It needed not necessarily gut renovation, but to be retenanted to get to market rents. And it needed some capital improvements for sure. My partner and I decided not to because we scaled too quickly. We went from a duplex to a six to a 24 unit all within a few months. And the six unit was lagging behind. So we just sold it. But we sold it for a significant profit because it came to us off market. If you're buying right, even if you have to gut renovate a six unit, anywhere along the line of that renovation or of that business plan, you'll be able to sell for a profit. 
which makes it a stable asset. And now you get into value add apartment syndication, which Joe Fairless, Mr. Best Ever wrote the book on literally as well as figuratively. Mm -hmm. And if you're buying something that already has current cash flow, that has good occupancy, that's performing, but has the potential to perform better, you're engaging in investing in a way that has similar stability to renting the home that you used to live in because you already understand it. You already have a baseline of cash flow to work from. You're not taking too big of a risk and you're in a good position to make sure that your initial capital is protected. It's not the most exciting. The FIRE community is very rarely ever about excitement. (laughs) That Um, is true. It's not the most exciting. It's not the highest returns, but it's stable and predictable. And there's a sense of stability and predictability all the way through the decisions that you've made about your investing. I've just spent the last few minutes talking to you about you, Kelly. Let me at least ask, does this resonate with you? It absolutely resonates. One of the things before we moved out of that single family, we replaced the roof, the air conditioner and the water heater. So we wouldn't need to touch it. I don't want to get called by the residents. I mean, the property manager is going to get called, but I don't want to have to deal with that. Same thing with the six unit. We knew it needed a full renovation. We went in there. There were some things that we ended up doing that maybe we didn't need to just so we didn't have to worry about it the next couple of years. And that's what I also love about these large ones. Now, syndications is a different game than my six unit or my single family where our intention is we're going to hold that long-term. Those are legacy properties. Much of what we do in syndication, we're talking about selling in three to five years. It's a longer term flip property. So I'm not necessarily worried about getting a call from a resident in 10 years, but we want to make sure we have a nice stable asset so that our residents aren't having issues that come up, their retention is higher, and we're able to meet what the market rents are for them. So yeah, I love stability, security. I think that's something that comes across for me too, with having such a long corporate career. I say long corporate career, it's 18 years now. So I guess it's not long compared to some people, but it it feels long. (laughs) But having an 18 year corporate career and building a successful real estate syndication business and having our own pile of properties, I get peace of mind in that stability. And that's something that all of us investors have to keep in mind of what are we comfortable with from a risk reward perspective. And you asked if I still have my corporate job. Part of why I do is because I can keep putting fresh powder into these deals, which adds to the stability for me. (laughs) What is it that you do corporate wise? I have had a variety of roles over my career in business strategy and planning in finance, namely forecasting and planning, which goes really well when we talk about underwriting deals as well as sales and marketing. But I work for one of the large entertainment companies here in central Florida, which is not a surprise, but. (laughs) Right. Well, Kelly, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's go. Awesome. What is the best ever book you recently read? So a book I recently read is called the only woman in the room compiled by Ashley Wilson. And this is a book that speaks to about 20 other women real estate investors who are excelling in their particular niche in a field. And what it helps for me as a woman in this space is it helps me know that I'm not the only one and that we can power through and make a stance. And I love the stories that are in there and being able to hear other people's experience in the space. What is your best ever way to give back? I'm a thought partner. 
I love to be a thought partner. So I love to make myself available if anybody wants to talk about the FIRE movement, their personal financial literacy, or of course, if they're interested in potentially investing in a real estate syndication or just educating themselves on what it is so that in five years, maybe when they're ready to invest, they'll have some additional baseline knowledge. But I love to be a thought partner. Thus far in your real estate investing, Kelly, what is the biggest mistake you've made and the best ever lesson that resulted from it? I think my biggest mistake I made, and I think with any mistakes we learn and we grow from them, is Absolutely. as part of my journey and my husband's journey, learning the real estate space and all the different niches, we decided to do a flip with a couple partners that we had known for a while in our local community. And we ran into a variety of challenges on the flip. We went over budget. We 2X'd our rehab plan. We overpriced it when we put it on the market. We didn't stage the house, and this is a higher-end market. This was in November 2020. And then we started to have deteriorating communications between the partners. Mm. So I would say, fortunately, that's my biggest mistake. At the end of the deal, we ended up losing about $1,500. And this is where living on one income is really helpful because if we go twice over the rehab budget, us and another partner were paying the rehab budget. So it was literally taking our savings from our corporate and throwing it into this deal to continue to keep the project going so we could get to the finish line. So fortunately, at the end of the day, we only lost $1,500. We learned a tremendous amount. What is the lesson there, Kelly? The lesson would be, one, be careful who you partner with. I don't think you can always see this thing's coming. And sometimes things are going to happen. Fortunately, this was only one deal. We weren't in on another deal yet. So it was easy to kind of go full cycle on this one flip and then move on to the next deal. The other big learning there was to make sure that you've got enough buffer from a finance perspective so that you can handle any overages and keep the project going. It would have been a much different story if ourselves and our other partners didn't have the capital to continue to put in to finish off the rehab. We would have had to sell the property in a distressed state, which we most certainly would have lost more money than what we lost on the deal. Gotcha. Kelly, what is your best ever advice? My best ever advice, so it's a little different than what most people say. I would say start small, start now. And I think of it twofold. From a limited partner perspective, just get into a deal. Start investing in deals. If a deal has $100,000 minimum, but you only have 50, have a conversation with the general partner because oftentimes there might be flexibility in that if you're an accredited investor. From a GP perspective, I would say that when you're first getting started, don't worry too much about your percent of share in a deal. You're working on getting experience and you're working on getting the insights and understanding how syndications really work and all of the different ways that deals can be structured. Awesome. Last question. Where can people get in touch with you? People can reach out to me at my website, which is www.waypointcip.com, or I am extremely active on LinkedIn. You can look for me on LinkedIn, Kelly Iannone, and that's I-A-N-N-O-N-E. I am super active on LinkedIn. If anybody wants to schedule a call and have a thought partner, I'm certainly open to it. Awesome. Those links are in the show notes as well. Kelly, thank you. Best ever listeners, thank you as well for tuning in. If you've gained value from this episode, please do subscribe to our show. Leave us a five-star review and share this with a friend who you know could 
gained value from this conversation about reasons to get into real estate investing and ways to maintain stability while investing in apartments. Thank you and have a best ever day.